This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I was consistent, but I never wanted you to know who I was. Okay, that makes sense. I don't want you to know. <laughs> I don't want you to know how happy we are. I don't want you to know how confident we are. Right. I don't want you to know how arrogant we are. But there was never a time that we went to the racetrack that we didn't think we were going to whip your like there was never a time that we didn't think it, but we, you never wanted to show it, right? Like you always wanted to have that confidence, but it, you never wanted it to be arrogant and cocky because the karma train might just run you over right, mm. right in the middle of the intersection. It's the Kenny Wallace conversation brought to you by Jags. Hello everyone. And welcome to the Kenny Wallace show brought to you by Jags, the leader in high performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to jegs.com for anything and everything you need for your vehicle. I always say this is the moment where I pause when we have the great ones on the Kenny conversation. Man, I'm excited again. I'm always excited every show because this guy has done it all. Kevin, Kevin Harvick, thank you for being on. No problem. I'm looking forward to it. You know what? Because I never know what to expect from you, and that's what right. makes this way more fun. And I know you won't, you're going to shoot it to me straight. So I'm looking forward to uh, having a nice talk today and seeing what we can, what kind of trouble we can cause today. Right. And, and I do know you're a troublemaker. And we'll talk about that me? later. But hey, I thought what, that was you. Hey, hold on now. Remember, years ago, you, you had the nickname. You were the punk. It, uh, yeah, that's okay. It, and yeah. that was years ago. They, I had I had I, I did a media tour today and I had one of the one of the common questions that I get is what would the 47 year old Kevin Harvick tell the 25 year old Kevin Harvick? And I, I was like, I'm not sure that the 25 year old Kevin Harvick would listen to the 47 year old because that's just the way that it works. And if it wasn't for all the 25 year old mistakes, you'd never get to the wisdom of 47. So I just I don't think we should talk. <laughs> I agree with that. I, you know, we change so much and, and I've always learned years ago, there was that, that phrase life's a journey. And, yep. and one thing I've learned, it is a journey because we aren't born 40 years old. That would no. be a big shortcut. Yeah. And you know, for, for, for me, it's been my racing career in general has been, it's been strange because of the way that it started. And when you, when you, when you look back, I, I shouldn't say the, where it started, but where it started in my cup career because my first interview was my first uh, press conference was the biggest press conference that I ever did. My first win was by far the biggest winning moment that I've ever had. And that was all because of, of the way that, that you went into the car, but then it all backed up from, from there, um, you know, because of 
you know, you, you make a mistake here and you say something wrong and you, you make this fan base mad and that fan base mad. These people like it. Those people don't like it. And I had to learn all those. I had to learn all those life lessons along the way with the, the Earnhardt fan base following you uh, along the way and, and critiquing you. So it, it, it was, um, you know, it, it all, it all kind of started backwards. So you had to learn quickly how to, how to navigate the landscape of, of, of NASCAR racing and, and Earnhardt nation there. Let's remind everybody what happened. We, we lost the great Dale Earnhardt senior Richard Childress says, you're going to drive this car at Atlanta. Uh, you drive it, you win the race. Now with, with us reminding everybody that did you, you didn't start your cup career the way that you really wanted or, or, can that be controlled? No. And, and really, you know, it all started when, when Dale died at the, at the Daytona 500. And, and um, I got the call actually laying in bed on a Wednesday night, Richard called me and said, Hey, I need you to, I need you to come to the shop. So I lived, I lived right, right down the street from, from the shop at that particular time. So I drove to the office and I, I walked in his office and it was him sitting behind his desk and Bobby Hutchins and, and um, you know, Kevin Hamlin, and I walked in and, and, and sat down and they said, Hey, we want you to, we want you to drive this, this car this weekend at Rockingham. And at that point I had already told my wife before I left, I said, Hey, they're going to, they're going to ask me to drive this car this weekend. And I'm going to drive it. And, um, so I told them I'd drive it. And, and I just, we never talked about anything else. We didn't talk about contracts, money. It was at that particular point, it was all about what can I do? What is right for RCR? Um, I've been here for, a year and a half. And, and, um, I'd actually been doing all the testing for, for Dale at that particular time in the three car with his team. So I knew the team. So it wasn't really, there was no decision to be made. It was just do whatever. Um, so we went to the racetrack that particular weekend and, and, um, you know, ran the race and then Delana and I flew out and, and got married on Wednesday. Oh my, I didn't know that. Hold on. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you win Atlanta. No, no, no. No, you. No, no I, 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 we raced my very first cup race at Rockingham. Right. We left that night and had the whole team and my family and her family. We all flew to Las Vegas. Oh my. For the, for, the, for what would have been the third race of the season and my second race, uh, we got married on Wednesday night, and I got my first top ten on Sunday in Las Vegas, and we flew home and got my first win the next week at Atlanta. So it was a big. It was a big three weeks. Okay, this is something I never knew. It, it, it's not important for me to know everything whatsoever. <laughs> but I think somehow that slid under the radar to a lot of fans. So at that time, first of all, I want to back up because this is Kenny conversation. We we just go, we, you know, you started this. I love this because I've learned so much. So, so this is during a tough time, and yet you're getting married, which is the happiest time of your life. Did you have to balance that? Well, when, when you go back and, and you look at it all, and it was really one of the best things that, that happened during that particular time frame, because I had my whole team there. Richard was there. Um, you know, we had just, we had just gone through, we had just gone through everything um, with, with, um, with Dale and, and all the downtime. And so it gave the team a chance to, to come out um to the to Las Vegas and not have to worry about the race and not have to worry about everything that happened with Dale and everything that had gone on 
because of the fact that we were getting married and we were going to have a good time and we were going to get our minds off of it. So, um, so we got married and, and the, one of the, one other funny story that, that we had that weekend, Richard, I think he was born in 19, gosh, I want to say 40, I don't know, 40 something. And Richard bought this bottle of wine and it was the year that he was born. I can't remember how much money he paid for this bottle of wine. A lot, probably. But, yeah, probably a lot. <laughs> so we're flying home and, and uh, I was flying with Richard because I didn't have any way to get to the racetrack. So I was flying home with Richard and he was telling me about this bottle of wine. And he said, you win a race this year. We're going to drink this bottle of wine. I had never drank wine in my life. The only thing I drank up until that point was the cheapest beer that I could find. Pants Blue but, Ribbon. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so I, 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 um, we, we went and won the race next week and I reminded him, I said, Hey, we're going to drink that bottle of wine because I knew that the last thing he wanted to do was open that bottle of wine. And I was going to make him open that bottle of wine after we won Atlanta. So I go to, we go to his house for dinner and he is nervous as crap opening this bottle of wine because he knew it wasn't supposed to be open. Kenny, we went through this process for probably 30 minutes of him trying to figure out how he was going to open this bottle of wine. He puts the cork opener in there and the cork just immediately just crumbles. Oh we God. strain it and strain it and strain it. And we finally drank the bottle of wine and I didn't think it was very good, but it was well worth, it was well worth the effort to, uh, to drink just because of the, of, of the promise and the situation. So, so, but, so yeah, it was, it, th those, those, um, those three weeks, you know, I, I don't know if you, you've ever gone back and watched that press conference at, at uh, Rockingham, but I mean, it was, it was nothing like I've ever experienced in my mm -hmm. life. It was just a, it was a dark, rainy, gloomy day. Appropriate. They, they, yeah, it was very appropriate. And it had this, this makeup, you know, pop-up tent that they had put in because they had so many media that, that were coming to cover it. And, and I just remember looking out into that crowd of, of media and just, you know, I had no clue what, what I was going to say or what I was going to do. And um, I knew none of them were there, you know, because they wanted to, wanted to be there, but it was, um, there was some, there were some interesting times, but really we made it through that year because we decided to run all the bush races. We ran all the cup races. There were no testing limits at that particular point. So we tested the cup car. We tested the Xfinity car and they basically, they basically sent us off, they basically sent me off um, to race as much as I could. We ran our first truck race that year for KHI mm. at um, at um, at Richmond, and we had honestly my, myself and Delana and, and really the guys that I raced with uh, on the on the Bush Series car at the time. We had no idea really the magnitude of of what was happening. All we did was race. Uh, every all the problems were masked until 2002 and then the bottom fell out uh trying to trying to trying to address everything that we hadn't addressed the year before so i want to go back to that wine for a minute <laughs> did he ever two questions about the wine did he tell you how much money he paid for that wine that bottle i swear it was like fifteen thousand dollars at the time i could was be there wrong sludge in the bottom of it there was sludge in the bottom of it there was it was bad that's it when was, it's it old. was clumpy. It was clumpy and, and bad. I, it, was, it was, it was never intended to open. Never intended to open. <laughs> nor, nor it was probably never intended to drink. Yeah, but we were drinking it. 
Okay, so let's go back to what you talked about that rainy day at, at Rockingham. So I've been a big fan of yours for years. Um, I think it's just because you kind of remind me of myself growing up, kind of a scrapper, uh, you know, just doing your deal. Uh, I was born in 63. I know you're a lot younger than me, but I've always liked your ways. So I haven't even got to the start of the interview, by the way. <laughs> you're awesome. You're Chatty Kathy today. I love you. You're badass. So we, we get to that, that Rockingham deal. We go through this whole first part. At when, at when did, I mean, did you realize right away that this was, this was like a dream? This was not, not the dream you intended. At what point, at what weekend did you go, man, this was never planned? Well, it was never planned. Um, but I was pretty embedded into the whole thing already, you know, because Dale didn't want to do any of the testing and the team needed to get better. So in 2000, really at the end of spring, um, we, I got pushed off into testing Dale's car. So basically at that particular time, we were just developing all the one, four shocks, the three fives and a two. And you already said this, but you feel like you are already, what you're saying is you, you were in Dale senior's car embedded in it. Yeah. Well, I was embedded in the team and, yeah. and. So, you know, I think I think for, for, for me, there were a lot of things that I didn't have to get used to because yeah. of the fact that that I had already been around his team. I had already been to the racetrack with mm-hmm. with those guys. And, and uh, Todd Barrier was a big part of of really bridging the gap of the things that I didn't know or when I would get frustrated, mad with with particular things or bringing information over from the Bush series car. Todd Barrier was was one of the biggest keys to that whole program because of the fact that, you know, he had worked at RCR since probably 1995, I'd say, with Skinner's truck and in the fab shop and, and all the things that they were doing on, on Jay Sauter's deal. Um, but he was kind of that bridge because really Kevin Hamlin, great guy, um, but that whole team was built around Dale. Yeah. Um, but – Todd knew all those guys because he had worked there and he was, he'd be the one to kind of, to kind of smooth things over when I would get wound up because I was wound up all the time and, you know, just on the chip ready to go and and wanted things to move. And, and so, um, you know, those guys, and I I guess the the point of this is I was already, I already knew everybody on the team. You were ready ready for the job. I, I was, I was, yeah, if, if that if that's what I needed to do, I was ready to go. And yeah, my yeah. seats are were already in the cars. Um, you know, we had already been at the racetracks and and you know, we we had already been testing. And and I think um, you know, for, for me, we would spend days and days and days at Kentucky developing shocks and springs. And um, you know, the, the first time that, that Dale got to drive it, they went to the Indianapolis test and everything that we had developed at Indy or at, at Kentucky, they took to Indy. And when they took it to Indy, Dale got, he shook his car down and then they, they took my car out uh, that we had been developing with GM and, and his guys at, at the racetrack. Well, it went like nine tenths of a second faster than his car did. And he said, well, what's in it for Springs? And they told him I th- at that time, it was like three fives and a two and it had all, all the new crazy stuff in it. Crazy. And he said, put that thing back in the truck. I'm not f-ing driving it. <laughs> right now it's because, not like him. because 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 he 
you know, those, I mean, he's probably a lot like Rusty was, you know, you had yeah, this yeah. spring and this spring and this spring and this spring, and you could change it a few, a few uh, hundred pounds in each direction. But when you started talking stuff like that, you know, the, the motor was all raised up and then had all the new, um, you know, the, the, the new uh, direction of the sport. Uh, he was not thrilled about them not telling him what was in that car, but it was way faster. So we've started out early in your career. Let's move forward a little bit now with the Kenny conversation. Um, well, before we move further, that, all your stories remind me of this. We assume everybody knows everything, but they don't. Where did Happy Harvick, this legendary nickname, what day, when do you remember Happy Harvick? That, who named you that? What was oh, that, that all about? Though that all started. Look, we were all hired in two, I guess the end of 1999. It was myself and Todd Barrier. Um, I guess Mike Dillon was the driver of the, of the, the 21 car in those days. Uh, Lance, uh, what was Lance's last name? Dieters? Uh, anyway, I can't, the whole team, the whole, the whole team was hired and we were just a bunch of young kids. And, but we had nicknames for everything. And so for, for me, every time I came in the shop, I was happy. So I'd be bouncing around and (laughs) and they they called me happy. So that's, if you see my pit sign today, that smiley face, that's where it started. And I've kept that smiley face from the year 2000 all the way until today. Um, that's, that's, that's been the, the happy smiley face, but it all started at, in the, in the bush shop at, at RCR, they called me happy because every time I walked in the shop, I was happy. And, and that makes me happy because I, that makes me happy. You thought it was some sar- sarcastic BS around. I, me being I thought angry you were mad me. one day and yeah. they, they did the, you know, it's like the big guy they call tiny. Yeah. It, it, I thought you were going to, and here's why. And this, this is another conversation. Whenever you won from day one, from my perspective, when, when I would see you win, you were always consistent in my book. Now, when you went back to Delana in the motor home, and then when the kids came along, it, tell me, Art, were you all in Victor Lane? You were always seen the same. It never seems like you celebrated more or less. So were you always like that? Or do, do, were there wins that you were more excited about? I, I think for I think for me, um, I think the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is you were consistent ever, in your happiness. Is what I'm saying. I was I was consistent, but I never wanted you to know who I was. Okay, that makes sense. I don't want you to know. <laughs> I don't want you to know how happy we are. I don't want you to know how confident we are. Right. I don't want you to know how arrogant we are. But there was never a time that we went to the racetrack that we didn't think we were going to whip your ass. Like there was never a time that we didn't think it, but we, you never wanted to show it, right? Like you always wanted to have that confidence, but you never wanted it to be arrogant and cocky because the karma train might just run you over right, Mm. right in the middle of the intersection. And, you know, I just really from the very beginning, and I think that's something that, that carried over probably from, probably from back in the day with my dad, Um, Mm. like, you just always just wanted to just absolutely annihilate anybody anytime if you had that opportunity. But when you, when you were the one getting annihilated, you never wanted them to know that it was bothering you. Yeah. You didn't get me. I still win. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, I'm the you're, greatest, not you. Okay. Yeah. And so I think for, for me, and that's, what's been fun about this year 
<clears throat> I don't have to worry about next year <laughs> is now you can it. tell these stories because I, I, I mean, a lot of it is a show, Kenny. Yeah. Right. Like you, it's, it's really just a, it's a mental game of, you know, all these guys are friends. And even if we were friends, like I'm never going to open that door all the way to actually let you know how all this functions, because I want to help you, but I don't want to help you enough to where you can beat me because what we have is, is a good system and good people and good things. But in order for the food to keep coming on the table and everything keep need needing to keep showing up, I need to keep beating you. So I've always been very cautious about exactly how far you open that door to, to, um, to, to your competitors. I, I like what you said. So to capsulate that, I, my brother Rusty says, well, you come up with these fancy words every once in a while, but capsulate means you were happy. You were consistent because you didn't want the competitors to really know you so they could use it against you. Right. Right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, because at some point, you know, you know how this deal works. Yeah. At some point, somebody's going to find know you do in there and they're going to make a story out of this. And then this guy is going to get to that guy. Because if you tell them that, if you tell everybody that you have the, the, the greatest tire guy in the world, at some point, every guy in the garage is going to hire the greatest tire guy in the world. Want to hire to run over him. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> if you've got something that's good, you want to be quiet about it as long as you can because you don't want to lose it and you want to make sure that you show appreciation as much as you can in, in ways that, that won't let people into why it's actually going good or, you know, how excited you are. So I've always been pretty guarded in that aspect. Now, now I know why Tony Stewart hired you. You know, Tony was our first guest and then we went to Mark Martin and you're our third and you are the same as Tony. We never started the conversation on my notes until about 30 minutes into the conversation. I love you. So let's, let's start the conversation of, it's like, it's like I say, look, it means a lot, right? So I, I, I got these notes. Let me say this about you and just don't get cherry red in the face, but you've done it all. You've done it all. Okay. And that means that you're a NASCAR champion. You've won every big race that I know of. Um, you are going to be a Hall of Famer. And that just, you know, was clarified basically by yesterday, the day before you were voted top 75. And we saw the video with, uh, you know, Piper, you love her so much. I saw you staring mm -hmm. at her. And, but what I like about Keen is you, you can rough him up a little bit and he can take it. So in my opinion, you've done it all. So, is there anything else? I mean, I couldn't think of anything else. Is there anything else that is on your checklist in the NASCAR series? No. I, you I know, love I think, it. You're the man. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, you'd always always want to be greedy and you want to win more. And, but, you know, I think going into this year, it, it, it's, it's really um, rewarding to know that, you know, you've been very – we've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to uh, have won – the big races and won a championship and won the Xfinity championships. We've been on the ownership side of the championships and the truck series. Um, man, I, I mean, there's no reason to get greedy about it at this point. So why, 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 why get greedy? I, of course, our goal this year was to be competitive. If we get more wins, I'm fine with that. If we win a championship, I'd be great with that, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be happier or sad if we don't do either. 
Um, I would be, I'd be sad if we weren't competitive, but we've been competitive this year. So that, that part's going to go fine. Um, but really this year was because the way I wanted to do it, Kenny was to just go to the banquet, walk off the stage and say, see you guys. I'm all would down. you flip them off? Would you? No, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. No, uh, okay. no, I'm, I'm look this, the thing, that, <laughs> the thing that people got, the thing that people got to remember uh, no, no matter how happy or sad you are with NASCAR or racing in general, it's still my life. Like I love it. Like, I love racing. I love NASCAR and the things that I've been able to do in NASCAR racing and, and the things that it has granted me for to the way to live my life and do the things that I do. How, how, I mean, why should I ever be mad about that? Right? Like right. I, I get it. Like they run their business, you run your business and I'm going to have an opinion, but unless it's mine, like I have no right to tell you that that's the exact way that you should do it. I have an opinion. Yeah. I think we all have an opinion, right. Of, of what's better or what's worse and whether they listen or don't listen. But really the goal this year was to be competitive, but tell that story. How do we have fun with it and tell the story of, of 30 years of racing and 20 some 23 years in, in the cup series and fortunate to have a lot of success and, and let's, let's celebrate it. Like I would have never done that before because I was worried about, you know, how that would be perceived, but really with the way that it's gone and, and the way that everybody's, you know, been able to look at everything and, and all the stuff that, that Stuart Haas racing and, and all the, all, all the NASCAR folks and everybody has captured and going back and reflecting on all those moments, it's been great. And, and we've, we've, we've had a, a good time with it. I get to drive the 29 car again. Mm-hmm. I at saw the that video of you and Richard yeah. at Darlington. And uh, we all with the throwback. They're, they're doing the throwback cars at, at Darlington. But driving the, the 29 cup car at, at, at the all-star race is, is going to be pretty neat. So it's just good timing, you know, to, 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 call it, to, call it a, to call the end of it. I get to do it on my terms. I get to be competitive and been fortunate to accomplish a lot of things. So I have nothing to, to be mad about. I can just – floor it and get out and say well something happens i'm sorry you come get me next year we're, we're going to talk about nascar at the end like i do with all the champions uh we're going to get to the end but you brought that up so i believe i know what you're going to say but i want you to say it is why i'm going to ask it and that is we both you and i and a lot of people well not a lot you, Denny Hamlin, myself, we get mouthy against NASCAR. Mm-hmm. But I believe it's, is it because we care, Kevin? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
<clears throat> well, I think I think I think the you know the the one thing to remember is we all ha we all see it in and in we all see things from a different aspect, right? Yeah. What and are I they think, thinking? Yeah, and, and but yeah, I think when when you look at it, gosh, it's so much bigger. I mean, that's than what we're thinking. What are they thinking? We yeah. don't know what they know is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest thing is it's so much bigger that than that than anything that we can even compute. Yeah, the magnitude of the business and the and the and the way that it is run and the amount of people that are into it, like I don't even know where to start, and that's that's really for for me when I'm like, you know what, these this car sucks or that restart sucked or that call was terrible, um, I've learned to not take offense to it. We're thinking and, about ourselves as we're we're making. Yeah, it. we're we're and, not and, about me. And you know I've we've spent we've spent the last. I guess it's, we're getting ready to, I guess it's been a year and a half that we've, we've really spent a lot of time as drivers. We've spent a lot of time with, with NASCAR and, and their group. And I'll be honest with you, we've never had more conversations about how to make the sport better and how to make things better and how to do things differently and what the rules packages should be and how the tires should wear. Um, and just, you wouldn't believe how open open they are about everything that that's going on and, and the communication that they're having with the drivers and to see all those drivers sit in the room. Um, I don't know that I don't know that you ever got to experience anything like that, but we go we go. I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of, of time together talking about how to grow the sport and how to do things better. Is that and, the new RTA? Um, no, this, the, ours is, ours are just drivers, drivers, oh, driver advisory. About this. When does yeah, that happen? So, yeah, we have, we have the driver's advisory council that's been around. It's been around for a little bit now. Um, but it really, really with the new car, the safety of the, of the new car and, and the accidents and things that we had, uh, with the concussions kind of brought everything, everything to a head. And, um, but, you know, I think, I think for, for me, um, I was pissed after Darlington last year when my car caught on fire and it kind yes. of, kind of ruined the playoffs and, and we did a really, whole show about it. Yeah. That that's, yeah, that's really when it kind of came to a head. <laughs> um, and, but we got some stuff done and we got some things started to, to change and, and really, um, you know, we, we changed the rear clip. We've, we've, we've worked on the doors. We've worked on, um, arrow packages. And, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, how do we communicate? How do we communicate in, in them and help them? That's, that's really where we've evolved to because the communication is, is there. And, and, you know, I think from the driver's standpoint, we're as big a part of this process as ever. We can't just, we can't just turn our back anymore and say, ah, I do it this way. And then just walk off. Like if you're going to have an opinion, now you're going to have to sit in a room with all of us and tell us, Tell us your opinion and show up to the meetings and be a part of this process to make it better. Because really, that's what happened, you know, when when you guys were all there and Dale would wrangle everybody up and say, all right, if it's not right, we're going to fix it. And, you know, I think it's been a very proactive process to be able to have the drivers involved. I can't speak for the team. Do you I feel like let me ask you this in that in that context, do you feel like when your car caught on fire last year at Darlington and ruined your race? Do you feel like you were so upset that they finally listened to you? Because I know there was engineers involved to tell NASCAR, here, here's what we need to do. We need to spray this on here and it won't do it. Did yeah. they listen to you? I think part of that 
I, I think I think if we'd have been as involved now mm. then as we are now, I don't know that we've ever evolved to that because you know they they were at a point where they waited too long to to fix the cars and a lot of fires, a lot of fires, a lot of problems, and we should have never we should have never got that far. But they realize that now, and they've been much more proactive with with a lot of things that they've done. So it's been it's been an interesting process, and and some of that. I fault myself for some of that, not wrangling everybody up and really putting these, putting, putting us all together as a, as a group of drivers and, and having a, you know, a, a better process of, 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 of trying to communicate because I tell you the, the communication right now is, is we have more communication with NASCAR than we have ever had in the history of my being here a period by a lot. Not even comparable. So, once again, I want to brag on you. And, and you said maybe your dad, but I feel like you have a very high IQ. And here's why. I, by the way, Happy, I learned that in TV. My boss has said, if you're going to say something, tell them why. So, I feel like you have a very high IQ because at a very young age, even though you shut it down, you were brave enough to start a truck, st- truck team. Uh, you started KHI management. You're you're managing some of the greatest athletes in America, and and then then you're talking right now about gathering. You should have never been in that position. Does that come from your dad or your mom? This high IQ of young and, and knowing what you want, you go at it. I think it's you know I think this is something that that probably is lacked in today's world. I think my IQ is not very high. Really, I think, a lot I think of it is. I think a lot of it is common sense, Kenny, and yeah. just just paying attention to what is around you. Around you, That's because, some really really good stuff. You control uh, your sponsors. Yeah, well, I, and and a lot of that is just relationships, right? Like you know, picking up having having your sponsor's birthday in your calendar and sending them a text and telling them happy birthday. Like that's pretty difficult. You control your sponsors. How many drivers yeah. can say that? Well, and and a lot of that just happens because you know in those in the in the sponsor situations that really comes from just relationships, right? Thank you. Carl. Because it's not all going to be here. We're not always going to be on the up and up and the performance side of things. At some point, your those relationships and and the things that you do are gonna are gonna pay off because of the fact that when things are going bad, um, and the and the sponsor contract is up, they're gonna be like, you know what though, that guy has been an ambassador for us. He's done things that he doesn't have to do for us. And he's been good for our business. And that's, that's really what you want. And and I always tell our young kids, nobody cares about you more than you, period. So if you want to be successful, pay attention to what the hell's going on. Pay attention. Because if you don't pay attention and take your own career into your own hands, shake some hands, go above and beyond to do people. If you just do what you're supposed to do by your contract, you won't be here long. You won't be here 23 years. I promise you that. Your, your talent speaks for itself. I mean, you know, there it is, right? You win all the time. You win championships. But I'll be honest, you know, I'm most fascinated. And, you know, I, I've had some one-minute conversations with you. You know, uh, I'll never forget at the Atlanta racetrack. Atlanta was always an Achilles heel for me. I could not... I I grew up short track racing, chopping the corners, letting off the gas, getting on it. And I finally looked at you 
at Atlanta. I said, Kevin, and I was depleted. I was in my 50s, and I said, teach me how to drive this track. And it's early in the driver's meeting. And you put your both your feet on top of my feet. And you taught me your technique. Uh, I'm not going to share it here. Because I don't I don't guess you guys don't use it there now, so we might as well share it. Yeah. You, you, but you, I'll, I want to share that with everybody. Um, how did you learn? You, you were, when you were winning everything there, and I mean, you're, you still were going to win, but you were letting off the gas 90%. You were bra- dragging the brake, never fully getting out of the gas. Did you learn that technique? I'm this is what I'm talking about, high IQ. Yeah. You learned that technique right away, but you grew up at Bakersfield. Where did you learn that, that gas brake system? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think the first thing out of that, out of that question is um, you learned that I, I like helping people. I love to help people, but I just don't like helping people who don't want to listen. Mm. And if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're not going to listen or you're going to be a jerk, I'm not going to help you. It uh, helped me. Big yeah. Well, I like helping you uh, because you're not a jerk. Um, but, and there's a lot of people that just won't listen. They'll be like, ah, there's no way that'll work. You just went out there and did it and it worked fine. But I, I, I think for, for me, I grew up in Bakersfield um, at Mesa Marin. And we always had that big lip on the bottom of the racetrack. Right. And you had to hit that lip. Now, you didn't have to. You could you could run around the normal. But you, you could take a piece of crap car and compete with it if you could hit that lip. Mm-hmm. And it was all about setting the car on the lip, ride it in with the brake, set the front down, get the thing on the lip, and then touch the throttle so that the car would set and it, you could drag it around the corner. I'll be darned. Um, I, I think a lot of that started there because Schrader used to tell me, I used to tell him, well, you just drive it like you do at Mason Marin. He used to tell me I was an idiot. Um, but <laughs> it's funny because he's a great dirt racer. He had yeah. a, he's the one, yeah. Schrader's the one that taught me there's a thousand different spots in that yep. gas pedal. Yeah. There's a thousand different spots. And, and, you know, I think as we tested and tested and tested, God, Kenny, that was one of the things that, that really has helped me, uh, you know, through my career was our motto, and still, I tell my guys this a lot today: evolve or die. Like, if you want to stay around here, you better not. You better not think that there's not something better waiting around the corner because there is, and mm-hmm. there's a better technique, there's a better way, there's a better setup, there's a there's a different way to do it. And when you really start looking around and you see all the different people that are doing this, and then you start talking to them, and you can say, "Man, did you hear what that guy said? That's a dumb idea." Or you can walk away and say. Mm-hmm. Man, you think we should try that? Maybe, maybe there's something to that. We should at least try what he's talking about. That's probably the proper way to do this so that you don't wind up on the dead side of things in the evolution of our sport. Because as you know, this, this garage and this sport evolves so rapidly. And if you're out of the loop for that long, you're in big trouble. Yeah. I, I think this is where you need a couple of nicknames. It's happy Harvick, sneaky Harvick, high IQ or Harvick. <laughs> well, if, if we don't get going, we're going to go, we're going to have a two hour interview. And my manager, Charlie Marlowe would say, that's great, but let's move on to now. Um, you've done so much that it, it, you know, we need a five hour conversation. And I know it, I, I don't, it's not exaggerating. You have done it all. And you said that you, you, you really don't have everything else on your list. So let's wrap that up and let's move forward. I remember Dale Earnhardt Jr., making fun of me now love him but you're 2000 something we're at uh charlotte i get lucky 
qualify like fourth or fifth in the square D card. And it was his first race. And he he made the race. And the, all the media was down at Dale Earnhardt Jr. He made a smart-ass comment to me. He said, oh, you're doing TV now. That means your career's over. It really pissed me off. <laughs> no, it didn't piss me off. It hurt my feelings. So my question to you before we get into TV, when did that change where now everybody's doing TV, okay? When did that change that if you did TV – that meant you were you you were cool. They asked you to do TV. When did that change? Well, that that really changed when, um, gosh, we started. I guess when was the we? I went into the booth. Uh, when was it okay? Let's put it that way. Yeah, they had you in there ten years ago. It seemed like during the Xfinity races. Yeah, we started going up there during the Xfinity races. But you I made it know, cool. I don't. I don't know if I made it cool, but I think you made it acceptable. I think, yeah, and I think your team had to make it acceptable too, and mm. you had to be willing to take the time. But as that all evolved, uh, being in the booth, um, the teams and the sponsors started asking questions. Well, why aren't you in the booth, and why aren't you spending more time up there? So you were the brand. When you start doing stuff like that, you put pressure on the other guys to do more work because of the fact that you're doing it, and then their teams and their sponsors are asking questions and. So, you know, really being in the booth that, that long and, and, you know, developing those relationships with Fox and spending the time up there, you know, it, it really paid off, I guess, 10 or 12 years later because of the fact that we're going to be in the, I'm going to be in the TV booth uh, going forward next year. And, and you've got, you got all those reps, right? You got all those reps in the TV booth with the producers and, um, you know, all the different talent that, that goes in and out of the booth. And it's such a different perspective up there, but this it was is kind of wild. Like, like you were ready for the three car. You're, you're now ready for TV. Right. Yeah. Because you already, Isn't we've already, something? we've already been through all the work and, and you, I always try to look at things as what's next. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think TV was always something that I thought would be fun. And, and, um, you know, we took the opportunity to go in the booth and, and be able to start going through the reps and developing the relationships and understanding how it all worked and listening to yourself and whether you uh, liked it, didn't like it, sound good, didn't sound good, uh, dye your hair, don't dye your hair, shave your beard, don't shave your beard, whatever it. it is, right? I exactly went through it. I told Jacob Ullman, I said, Jacob, I'm gray haired. Here's Regan Smith. We had a great talk. I said I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna go run my dirt car, but you're so real. I did. I did think about my gray hair, and I did dye it because I thought it made me look younger. But you, let me ask you this: it, Ten years ago, when you started doing TV for the Xfinity race on Saturdays, in the back of your mind, did you think that Fox would hire you to have the biggest job in NASCAR TV is, and that's be in the booth and call the races in 2024? Did that you think that intention. would happen? That was the intention, so that you had. Well, I'll be so, damned. <laughs> so, that, so that you had, so that you had the opportunity, whether it was with Fox or whoever was doing it, so that you had the opportunity to say, "Well, I'm going to quit this year, and I've got. I mean, you're you're as relevant as you can be, and I've got all these reps in the booth for all these years of of doing TV. I mean, you you built your resume while you were still racing." And that was always the intention of, of you know, to, to try to make sure that you had something to do when you were done and you were and you were 
you were already groomed to, to, to do it because of the fact that you'd already done it a lot. So, um, but that was always the intention because look, there was a time, I guess it would have been probably 2000, I guess, what are we 23? I thought about retiring last year and then we signed the, we signed the two year contract. So I guess it would have been 2018. Like it was a real possibility to just say, I think that might've been it. And I don't know why that It'd changed. have been easy to do it during the virus. Yeah, it would have been. But 2018 was before all that. You know, I, I yeah. thought I thought I, I seriously thought about 2018 being the, the last year. But the timing never felt right. I, I had a great relationship. If it wasn't for my relationship with with Rodney and the team and everybody. He loved probably, you so much. Probably would have probably would have quit. But I just. Everybody gives so much that I felt like I would have been letting them down. I've and, never seen a crew chief, Rodney Childers, brag on his driver on social media. It, I think he truly loves you and cares about you. Oh, there's a there's a there's a love and care that that um, I mean it's like we're like we're brothers, right? Yeah. And when I do something dumb or say something dumb or do something that I shouldn't do, he'd be like, "Man, you can you can you can do better than that." And I'm like, <laughs> just embarrass the hell out of you. But you, but you listen. Yeah. But you listen, right. There's, and there's, you know, there's a lot of people that you listen to, but there's a, there's not very many people that you put that much trust into and listen to, to the level that I will listen to Rodney. Right. And when you find, when you find, like I worked my whole career to find a crew chief like that. When I was like, yeah, maybe I should just quit in 2018. I'll be like, I don't know. Spent 20, 20 some years looking for, um, you know, a relationship like that to be able to have the trust and smarts and passion and everything that you have. I mean, we're almost the exact same age. We have two kids and grew up the same way, raced the same things. And he's calm. I'm hyper. You know, there's just, there's the track. It, there's just so many things that are good about it and, and have been good about it and have, um, you know, he believes in that evolution of the sport and how things evolve and, and how to make things better and believes in the people. And he, you know, I've just never, you, you never, it's hard to find a situation where you come in and you're like, man, that was a horrible day. And he'd be like, man, our car sucked. I'm like, never one time would he ever say, man, you drove like shit today. Yeah. He would never say that. Nobody's perfect. But he would tell me, Hey, you need, you might want to look at this. You know what? You might want to do this or you it's might want to do that. Yeah. And, and so he's just, I don't know. From the from the very beginning, he was honest with me, and he said, "Kevin, I don't want to be yelled at all day." He's like, "I'm not going to put up with the fighting and all the all the BS that that go along." He laid with the him. law down early, and and he was just totally upfront with me, and I was, and it really made me think about, okay, who are you? What are you doing? And we got done, and um, Rodney signed up, and I told Delana, I said, "We're selling our house. Ooh. We're moving to a different town. We're selling our cars." We are starting from scratch. We are purging. I got rid of everything I had. We moved to Charlotte. And when I worked, when I went to work for SHR, we started with an absolutely empty clean sheet of paper. And I said, and he said, I don't, he, he told me, he said, I don't want you to think about anything that you've raced. I don't want you to worry about springs. I don't want you to worry about shocks. We're going to come in here and we're going to build this together and we're going to develop what works for us. And he's like, I don't want to hear about anything that you've done. I'm okay, like, hold on. Perfect. Okay. I'm, you got me in the left rear quarter panel right now. Let's let's, <laughs> let's go back a little bit. So 
and straighten this out. Are you telling me that you and Delano, you know, right sized? Remember, we talked about that. Yep. You got, you started, you having all this stuff, and you right sized. Uh, you got rid of everything. Are, are you saying that Rodney Childers was a part of that equation, or Absolutely. was it just timing? One one hundred percent. It was all. He was he was a big part of that, and he was. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it was. It, it really made us stop and and look back at things and say, yeah, if we're going to be all in, we're going to be all in. So we sold the teams, Truck we team. sold our house, this we is sold big. our cars, we purged, we bought a new house. We, I mean, we did. We changed everything, Kenny. You know, and it was it was to start from the beginning to to win and put yourself in a position to be a part of the team and the effort that was going to go into your car to make sure that you were focused on cup and the things that you needed to do to be successful in cup. This is absolutely fantastic. I love the Kenny conversation because I always was, and don't take this wrong. Cause you know, I care about you. I thought the reason you were purging was to have children. Well, that was, I mean, it was, it was all in the same time, but okay. you gotta remember we already had kids when I went to, we already had kids when I went to uh, Our, Helen was already born when I went to, to Stuart Haas racing. Okay. But the, the process had started two years before that. Like I signed yeah. that, I signed that contract to go to Stuart Haas a year and a half before my contract ended at Stuart Haas. And we had started selling the teams. The, the plan, the plan was to purge everything and start over. This is fantastic. This is good yeah. stuff that your yeah. key. What you're saying is, Total focus. You total went, focus. you and Delano went total focus. Yep. That was the, that was the plan. We wanted to start a family, focus on the cup car and not see anything that we had done in, in the past. It was all new beginning. And that was, and we stepped way out on the limb to, to go and do that with everything. But we, you know, we talked about it for years and executed the plan for years in order to try to put ourselves in a position that it was the focused on the prize family of, of, you know, having kids and, and, and focus everything around, if, uh, around the cup program and making sure that you won the races and did the things that you wanted to do. Otherwise you'd look back on it and you wouldn't be sitting in the last year saying, well, I'm okay if we don't accomplish anything else, but I, that's not the way I want to end it, yeah. but I'd be okay. It, it, you, you, this is the point that you wanted to sit at being happy with the fact that you put everything in you were all in pushed it all in i'm going to tell you this story and i want you to comment on it uh i watched the interview they were interviewing the world's wealthiest man at the time maybe 10 15 years ago warren buffett and they said warren you you, you talked to alex rodriguez you know the great player with uh, the new york yankees what type of advice do you give a rod and he said play baseball don't be out here trying to start these companies. Yeah. Do what you do best. It, it sounds to me, is that what you did? 100%. Kenny, we started this housing develop, development one time. <laughs> I love it. We I started, love it. We started this housing development one time. We bought this housing development. I'm like, you know what? These people are making all kinds of money, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Everything crashed. Mm. Timing and circumstances. I bought it. I bought it in. I think I bought it in 2007. By the time it was all said and done, I was the only one left with any money. Uh, I owned the housing development. Wow. And from that day forward, 
we sold the housing development eventually and, and worked ourselves out of it. Um, and it worked out fine. But from that day forward, I told him, I said, you know what businesses we need to be in going forward? Unless it has four wheels and tires on it, mm. we are not doing it because we don't know anything about anything else. We are going to we are going to work to race because is that, that where KHI came from too a little bit? No, you know I think KHI was really more the management. Of a, uh, the management company. Well, KHI started because it was really I just wanted to win a truck race uh, because yeah. we had never been able to with the family team and and everything that we had at Spears, we were able, never able to win a truck race. And I didn't want to go through the, my career and say, you know, I raced trucks, but I never won. And really the, the KHI team itself started because General Motors came to us and said they didn't want to get beat by Toyota. Mm. So they gave us a sponsor, they gave us the engines and helped us, helped us start the team to go truck racing. And that's that's really where it's where it took off to the point of being more than a hobby. That's really when it turned into a business. And then in 2005, you know, we had the truck teams already running and Tony came to us. He didn't want to drive for Joe Gibbs. And he said, will you build me some Bush cars? So I built, we, that's how we started the, the oh, Bush I team. Remember this. Tony, Tony, Tony wow. didn't want to drive for Joe Gibbs. So he brought Mr. Clean and all the old spice sponsorship to our team. Um, because I don't know what was happening, but so we, we built Tony's uh, Bush cars and then that started the Bush series teams because Tony, Tony wanted to, to race those cars. Um, and then when we shut it all down, I, I kept, let's see, one, two, three, I kept the three, three or four main people from, I guess, three from KHI. And in all honesty, it's like everything else, Kenny. You know, you're just sitting, having a conversation in the right spot, right time, feels good, and it all works out. Well, I was sitting in the infield in 2012, and tap the Tap Out Clothing brand mm. brought a bus full of fighters to the Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, here's the story now. This is where I, I want to hear. <laughs> we had just sold all the race teams and the buildings and everything. We'd sold them to three or four different people. So we were out of racing. But I had, I kept, I kept all, I kept my three main people because I knew I, I wanted to, to do something different. Just didn't, didn't know what, and I wanted my stuff to continue functioning well. Mother function. Mother function. Yeah. So in, in 2012, Tap Out brought that bus of people and I'm sitting in a chair with Donald Cerrone, cowboy. Mm, yeah. Drinking a Budweiser and just watching the race, hanging out in the infield, met him for the first time. He invited me to a fight, Josh and I mother function drove to a drove to a fight in Virginia military only we sat in the stands watched him fight started just going to a few of, of Donald's fights and he called one day and he said hey I got a question he's like I like the way you guys do business and function as a group and and the way that they do your schedule and the way the way that you guys go about things yeah you, you guys would you guys be interested in managing me well I'll be darned and that's how KHI management started that is fantastic yeah, was from from Donald Cerrone conversation and just hanging out with us um, and going to a few fights. And so we 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 started with Donald and we basically just inserted him into the day to day process of, of how I was and just learned the UFC system. And, and um, we, he went to his first fight and he had sponsors from head to toe. Well, I'm sure <laughs> you brought NASCAR into fighting. Well, at that particular time. Um, they didn't have any rules on their shorts. They just had to approve the sponsors. So I'm like, 
Well, what uh, better way to give our sponsors uh, some fringe benefits here? We'll just put all of our sponsors on his shorts because it's cheap. And he wins all the time. We can take them to the fight. They can get the exposure on TV. And that's really how the concept of, of sharing with the athletes and the sponsors and being a little more um, uh, diverse in, in where the, the sponsorship goes and, and, and being able to um, – you know, cover more territory than, than just NASCAR because everybody doesn't like NASCAR. Everybody doesn't like the UFC. Well, anyway, there you, are with your, there you are again with your high IQ. Common sense, Kenny. I just connect the dots. I'm like, yeah. I'm like the kid in the coloring book. I just like yeah. to connect the dots, right? We make How many our, athletes do you have we make now? our network of people bigger and we yes. have more dots to connect and we have more Not dots to connect we do more things. But um, so anyway, uh, Donald had a bunch of sponsors on his shorts. He fought twice, and then Misha Tate called. She said, Misha hey. Tate, what a great name. Yeah, and so she called, and she said, uh, hey, I noticed that Donald has uh, a lot of sponsors on, on his shorts. Would they you lined up for ice cream now. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so we, we still represent uh, Donald retired. Misha is still yes. fighting. Um, and then we started working with Jake Owen on the on the sponsorship side and, and some of his events. Um, and now it's evolved into – into what it is. And it's a lot easier from the management side now because of the fact that we can represent more drivers. Now that I'm stepping out of the car, it's not so complicated to have uh, more drivers because now I can help them with their day-to-day -day stuff with their team. I can help their teams with them. Uh, we can help them with sponsorship and, and we can share the, we can share the wisdom, Kenny. So, you know, I have a little clock in my left-hand corner. It's just on the computer. We've been going for uh almost an hour, 58 minutes. And uh, like I said, we, we can't do it all. We're going to have to have a three-part episode. We, no, and I will. And I really appreciate that. There, there's so much more to ask you about TV. Uh, okay. I, I just got to go back through this. Just, I want to, we got to start ending. So TV, I'm going to make the comment and then you, you tell me what you think. You made TV cool for the new era people because your sponsors saw you on tv and they're like that's kevin harvick he 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 represents us and then the other drivers got jealous because their sponsors are like why aren't you on tv like harvick because joey logano he's the shell guy but he wasn't on tv is that what you think happened i don't, I don't know that anybody got jealous i think there's a few of them that pay attention like right yeah. joey's a smart guy and you guys, and I'm, a, and I'm a smart ass. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think as, as you go through, as you go through the next 10 years, you'll, I think a lot of people will understand, you know, how ingrained and, and, and how much Joey cares about the sport and the things yeah, that he yeah. does, but he pays attention. He can drive the car fast, but he pays attention, right? Oh, he's smart. I was using him for an example. That That's right. Shell's um, like, Hey, you need to be on TV. Yeah. So the, you know, there, there's, there's a few of those guys that are, that are paying attention and seeing the exposure. I wouldn't, <clears throat> I would never call it jealousy uh, because of the fact that, you know, I, I think that there's just going to be some that, that understand how it works and there's going to be some that don't understand how it works. And I yeah. think, you know, a lot of those guys are, are just, um, you know, the Logano and Blaney and, and there's a few of them, Keselowski that yeah. do it every week because they see the value of, of being on TV and people hearing your voice and seeing your name um, but also it keeps you in tune with the sport and being able to, to see, see what everybody else sees, see what everybody else sees and understand what they're talking about and not just, 
you know, not just complaining about, well, TV does this and ah, why do they do that? And why do they do this? Well, if you spend enough time with them, you can get the answers to those questions. They may not agree with you, but you can at least have a better understanding of, of, of where it's, where it's headed and what it's doing. So, um, you know, there's, there's no, there's, and, and you hear the, you hear this all the time. You probably know this as well, but, uh, social media is great, but it doesn't come close to the exposure that you get on TV. So, yeah. Um, that, that's why we're all here is to be on, to be on television. You want your car on TV the most, you want your name set on TV the most, you want the most, most exposure, the most exposure brings the most value and, yeah. you know, more value means you can buy more tires, right? Or more for, power for cubic and his go-kart <laughs> creates cubic speed. <laughs> all right. So here's the tough part. This is where Charlie's going to edit it up and this would be that, 10 or 15 minute section that we do with every, every person that comes on the Kenny conversation. And I don't want to get you in trouble. Like I told Tony uh, and he didn't. And same with Mark Martin. So here we go. Uh, your opinion on NASCAR, and I'm going to give you the, the, you know, the order. So your opinion on the way NASCAR is going about these penalties and these fines. Well, I think that the intention, the intention was to stop all the garbage, right? Was, was to stop, you know, I, I think unless they know it's real, then they're, then they're not, then the teams are just going to keep going. So you got to remember one thing, the teams have been as much a part of designing these rules and penalties and the way that this goes as much as NASCAR has been. So I, I see it from a different perspective because the teams in NASCAR are the ones that have come up with a lot of this stuff, um, you know, as far as the penalties. But in the end, um, you know, I think it in order for this car to work, like I, I think that you have to be if you're going to you have if you're going to treat the body and the engine and the tires as a no no go policy, you have to be strict. And, you know, let's let's face it, if you're in the. If you're the if you're the if you're the if you're the guy owning the team, it's a it's a it's a big money game, and you know. So, I don't, so you're 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 saying that uh, the car owners they have to here, deter the teams. They have to deter yeah. the teams from. They asked for this car, and they asked for this car, and they they asked for this car, and they asked for they asked for tougher rules. So you can't have it both ways. Right, I got you. Okay, so well, let's just talk about what you just said the next gen car that's the name of it i'm going to phrase this in a little different way than i did tony and mark before you do you like this car if you were to design the car was this the type of car you would design i would not have designed it this way what I would you have designed what would you went after you know i think that's a that's a loaded gun right because don't get yourself in trouble there's a that's a loaded gun um you know but you know i think Look, this this car is a lot like the car of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. When we started the car tomorrow, it was the biggest piece of crap that you could ever put on the racetrack, right? And all yeah, we did was wing on the back of the car. Oh, that. Did. <laughs> <laughs> it, had, it started with a wing on the back, of, turn on the back of the car. Oh, my God. <laughs> so all we did for five years was change that car. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Like the car did not, the car has not performed how everybody wants it to perform. Um, you know, a lot of the aerodynamics are made on the bottom. It didn't crash well. We've made that better. 
but we got to make it race better. Everybody knows that we, we got to make it race better. And I think a lot of that is going to come through the aerodynamics of the car. Um, there are a lot of neat things about the car. Um, you know, I think that the way that it shifts and, you know, the wheels and tires and the thought process of, of how it's supposed to be. But right now that none of that matters until we get the, the racing exactly right. And that is all going to come through making the tires fall off more, getting the aerodynamics right. And, and it's, you know, there's just going to be some things that have to be overhauled. How I would design it. You know, I, I think, I think the design of the car, I think was done a lot with a sports car mentality. And, um, you know, I think that the teams have fixed a lot of the, when we had the, when we had the car tomorrow, the teams fixed all the problems, right? Mm. Because they just went to their fab shop and said, Oh, we got to cut the clip off. Oh, we got to cut the roof off. And we put a new one on and it was done in a week. Now that is not possible. When you want to change something, you have to go to the manufacturer. You have to go to the teams. You have to go to NASCAR. You have to change rules. I mean, it is a long, long process. And, you know, I think that's the that's the part that that everybody's trying to go through right now is the process to to change it is slow. And so when, when it was before, the teams would bail you out because they could fix things so fast. In my mind, I'm thinking to myself and you just comment on my thought because I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. Uh, I'm thinking, why did they design this car? Oh, I know why. Because I know the car owners went to NASCAR, and I, I believe maybe, this is my theory, I don't know this, Roger Penske won them over. Maybe Chip, mm. you know, that Chip Ganassi isn't in the sport anymore, but these IndyCar type owners, you know, hey, let me buy this car from Europe, comes in a crate, I bolt it together. Uh Am I way off on my thinking? And it's okay if I am. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the. I've tried to stay very driver specific and work on the things that we can work on because the. That's the, why you're happy. The the well no I, I I just the owner side of things and the NASCAR the owner NASCAR relationship I just don't know a lot about because I don't know the inner workings of it to the T and that's why we've we've tried to stay so driver focused but. The thing that I will tell you is I, I think in concept from the beginning to get the cost under control and do the things that we needed to do as a sport in order to do that, the, the theory of the car is correct. I think it's just going to take a little bit longer to get the racing where we want it to be. And it's just going to be a little more expensive for a few more years than what they thought. And uh, I think I think the runway to the car and the concept of cost and the things that go with it is just going to take a little bit. It's going to take a couple years longer because of the fact that they're just going to have to, they're, they're going to have to change some things in order to make it right. Kevin, do you think it would benefit NASCAR in the future to maybe one day think that we're going to have this era coming up and it'd be two years where there will be no NASCAR major changes, you know, little thousand dollar deal here or there, but it just well, we seems just like to change it. Huh? We, we just did that for two years. We had a parts freeze. We had a parts freeze um, not two years ago. So during uh, the last year of COVID, we had a parts freeze. You couldn't submit any new parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the year before, you could only, you only had, uh, a, there was a certain parts freeze. So before we went to this car, we had two years where development was frozen on the engines, the cars and developing parts. And the last year you couldn't develop anything. You had what you had. So um, we've been there 
and and they they know how to do this and and you know i think when we went through covid covid taught us a lot about how we could function as a sport and i think covid also bought us saved our lives um saved our lives in in delaying the next gen car one year uh to be able to develop it to the point where they released it but um but covid taught us a lot about the processes of of how we could function as a sport and through all those parts freezes leading into what led to uh, the next gen car to help the owners absorb, you know, uh, some of the some of the savings of, of the last two years of that car uh, of last gen's car uh, before we got to next gen. So th- there, there was some good things that came out of COVID. Uh, I'm going to say this. Tell me if I'm full of crap or not. Uh, Wilkes Pearl and our dear friend Marcus Smith, who's a dear friend of mine, I'm doing the NASCAR race day shows, uh, gets a seven million dollar grant you know covid money and mm-hmm. may, maybe that saves the north wilkesboro speedway am i far-fetched no i i think there's a number of good things that came out of covid for our sport and and, and i think the efficiencies and just kind of how fat the sport was and and um pushing ourselves to to just get to the racetrack right yeah, and right. and we, we were did spending that. too much money we were spending way too much money and we're still spending too much money um but you know, I think COVID really opened everybody's eyes to where we could race, when we could race, how we raced, <clears throat> and the things that 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 we did to, in order to get to the racetrack. So uh, there were a lot of there's a lot of things that came out of COVID that that changed our sport forever. I mean, we went to Kansas last week. I left Saturday morning and got home Sunday night at nine thirty. Fantastic. And, hey, you know that the 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 way that we function allows you to have a family and do the things and, and um, that you couldn't have done 15 years ago. When, when you, uh, I'm throwing an audible here on the conversation because you, you reminded me of it. I saw, uh, I saw a young Kevin Harvick. So years ago, Kevin Harvick jumps over a car and is ready to take out Greg Biffle. So I saw at Kansas, uh, you know, two guys go at it on, on pit road. Uh, I thought it was great entertainment. Uh, what was your thought? Well, I can tell you that 2002 for me sucked uh, to start the year. <laughs> and a lot of that was a show. Um, mm. So you didn't need to jump over that car, but you thought I'm going to go at it. I didn't, if I had been running good, I wouldn't have jumped over that car. Right. Um, but you know, I think I think sometimes you know, in order to keep yourself relevant, you got to do some things that are a little far fetched, right? You're right. In order to, in order to, um, in order to, in order to, in order to, in order to keep it entertaining. Um, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. 
because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Man, I'm... Did you like it or not? This weekend? When Ross Chastain uh, reared back... I mean, that was one of the most solid landed punches, yeah. I think, in NASCAR history. Yeah. My and, opinion. You know, Ross, gets a, Ross gets a lot of grief, but he didn't do anything wrong there. He was just standing next to his car, and, and the guy came down, and he told him twice. He said, stop, stop, and then he just pounded him. He was pulling uh, him around like a little bitch, like he was a yeah. little baby. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have took it either. <laughs> I, I get I get torn on this, Kenny, because um, I don't like it. You know, I, I think when the, the security guards and the officials and everybody are there and you see something like that, uh, you see one guy get a shot in. Like, if they're going to fight, they need to let him fight a little bit. Yeah, no, it didn't gonna, get a If they're not going to let him fight, we look silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you feel I, bad for Noah Graxton not getting that punch in? I did a little bit. Yeah, I did too. And, and I think, I think for for me, there's just something about it in in everything that we do in today's world that I just I wish they would just fight in the parking lot. And we'd never know about it, right? Yeah. Like if it's that big a deal, like just go go somewhere else. I I, I don't even I don't even know that I, I don't even know that I like that it actually happened. Yeah. Wow. You are are you are you are you going soft? I'm not going soft. I'm just looking at it from a from a <laughs> professionalism level. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we look professional or we don't look professional because sometimes I watch late model races and I watch them just look like a bunch of idiots chasing each other around the racetrack with jack handles and stuff like yeah, that. They are. It's entertaining to watch, but how how is it? You know, how does it look from somebody that that? you know, is, is, uh, watching from the outside. I don't, I don't know. I'm torn because I like, I feel like if you walk down there and you, you know, are looking for a fight and you get punched in the mouth, it's okay. But I don't know. It's like, it was all, it all felt weird to me with the way that the crew guys were back and, and the officials were mm -hmm. standing right there and then you got the security guards in and one, you know, one punch in it's like, Oh, fight's over. So I don't know, so, but it was a good shot. Swing come, first, come. swing hard. Kenny. You're making me keep keep going here because you're it's it's so good. Uh, I raced my dirt car inside the dome last year in December, and I uh, you know where the Rams played football. So I uh, I have to go through the last chance race. There's a lot of cars there, but it's called win and you're in. And I had to win it. And I sent the car. I biked up a lot, and uh, I win the race on the very last lap. And all of a sudden, I can hear. There's like 30,000 people. I can hear. And, you know, I was just in defense mode. I, I'm like you are. I mean, or I'm like this. I, I got to win this race. I win it. And I forget for a minute. And I look around, and I'm like, oh, my God. I got to do something. I just can't, you know. So I get up, and I do Ric Flair. And I got out of the car, and I knew I had to do something. I thought I couldn't go wrong doing Ric Flair. So are you saying – that sometimes it's okay to entertain the crowd. 100%. Wow. I like that. You have to look, that's the, that's why those people are there, right? Sometimes you got to think about what's happening. You got to think about the circumstances. You got to think about the moment and maybe that's what Noah was thinking about, but it just, it didn't turn out. We it, didn't get didn't, it didn't, it didn't <laughs> turn out. It didn't turn out exactly, exactly how it should have been, but absolutely. You always have to think about 
entertaining the crowd and, and, and being in the moment and realizing where you are and what you're doing and um, how to capitalize on a situation and, and get the most out of it because that's, that's part of your job is yeah. to entertain those people, not only to be exciting, but they want to know, they want to see the fire and the passion and the care and the love and every other feeling in the world that you have um, with, with what you do, because um, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just part of, part of how it all works. And, and, you know, I think sometimes you just gotta, you gotta recognize the moment and, and do what you think is right. Right. You got to jump yeah. up on top of that car, even though it's a B main, there's 30,000 people cheering for you. Yeah. There was more of them that more, more videos showed of you standing on the car at that dirt race than the guy that won. Yeah. Kevin, you were fantastic. I, uh, I really appreciate you so much. Uh, I want to congratulate you on, I mean, there's still a lot of racing to go, but I see all good things. I, I see what you're doing with, with Keelan. Uh, he's going to be a great race car driver. That, that little daughter, uh, Piper, she's the love of your life. Delena is behind you. You've got the most beautiful family. Uh, I love you. I want to thank you for teaching me finally how to get around Atlanta. Uh, I did run really good that race. And, uh, but listen, everybody, uh, that's it. Kevin Harvick, the man, uh, he's done it all. And uh, as we wind down here, remember the Kenny Wallace show is now on podcast form. Uh, this one was an hour and 15 minutes. So on your way to work, uh, you can listen to this on the way to work on your way home. We're on Spotify and iTunes and uh, Kevin, thank you. No problem, Kenny. And make sure you don't tear that late model up. Yep, Try I'm, County. Oh, oh I, I'm Lauren. Hold on. Lauren, Kenny. You're you're the the show. Show. You, you the show. remember that Kenny. Hold on. Well, we, we said goodbye to everybody, but we got to remind everybody that uh, Dale Jr., uh, Jeff Burton, this man right here, Kevin Harvick, Justin Marks, they, in my opinion, they really helped the Cars Tour Series. They own it now, and I'm going to drive uh, the Cars Tour Series race. Uh, it's going to be May 27th at, at, at Tri-County Speedway. And uh, you were the one that texted me, do you remember how to run asphalt? And I'm like, I got this. <laughs> hey, good job on that. I've had I've had more fun practicing my late model and and just watching Rodney build it and everything that we've done in our shop. So you're gonna you're gonna have a blast. They're they're fun to drive. I get to drive mine. I get to race mine for the first time Tuesday. So we're just we're just we're getting ready to we're getting ready to pull Schrader out of the dirt series and put him back on asphalt. And we're gonna have like some Kenny Wallace, Ken Schrader grudge matches. It's awesome. What do you well, think? we still we still love racing. We're not going to give up. We and love it. We're, we're never going to sit on the couch, and I know you no. won't either. That's that's the that's my favorite part about racers is we all sometimes we all talk about ah this screw that screw this. We all love it so much we aren't going anywhere. I'm so tired of traveling until we yeah. get home one day and sit on the couch. <laughs> all right, man. All Thanks right, buddy. Thank, thank you so yeah. much, everybody. Once again, listen to Spotify, uh, iTunes. We're in podcast form. Until the next Kenny conversation.